Hey guys, Dr. Justin here again with another episode. Today is a little bit of a different episode. As you know, the podcast is Stay Healthy New Jersey, and we really try and feature people in the New Jersey area, specifically Somerset and Union County, that are involved in health, fitness, wellness. Um, we try to promote their business, let them tell you about what they do. And also, we really, really love to allow you guys out there, the listeners, to understand what's out there because so many of us aren't even aware of the things in our local area that are that are near and dear to us that <clears throat> we're not even sure that they're going on. This episode is different though. My friend Todd Bumgarner, he is the CEO, co-CEO of Beyond Strength Performance in um, in in Virginia. He also is the CEO of Strength Faction. He just published a book and more importantly than publishing the book, or as importantly, the proceeds to this book are going to an amazing cause. So Todd wrote a book, Let the First Rep Suck, which is a deep dive into coaching and into fitness. And the reason why it's so important is because number one, it really, really does a great job of speaking to the mindset and how to coach and how to talk to clients and how to set things up in that way. But more importantly, what I want to talk to you about today is who he's raising money for. So one of Todd's clients, his name is Ryan. He has a neurodegenerative disease called NBIA MPAN. And what that stands for, or what it really is, is a neurodegeneration with brain iron accumulation. Unfortunately for Ryan, there's almost no research that goes on with this rare disease. It's so rare that there's literally and virtually no money being raised or no money in funding in order to do the research to help cure this disease. So my friend Todd has had Ryan, who's a 14-year-old guy, um, as a client for years now, or about a year, and he wrote this book, but even more admirably, is taking all of the proceeds of the book and putting it towards research. So I did a podcast interview with Todd. Even though he wasn't in our area, I felt like the cause was great enough that I wanted to share it with you and hope to spread the word so that we can get people to purchase this book and therefore get more money raised for MBIA MPAN. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast. I enjoyed doing it. Todd is a, is a dear friend to me, and I'm so proud of him for writing the book and even more proud that he... Um, is raising money for this cause. This is the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, aimed at helping you live an active and healthy life in and around Somerset and Union County, New Jersey. This podcast is brought to you by Strive to Move, located in Warren and Berkeley Heights. Strive to Move helps active adults in New Jersey get back to doing what they love pain-free. All right, we are here with my friend Todd Bumgarner. Todd, how are you today? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for having me. So this is a little bit different. We have the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast, and you, in fact, my friend, are not in New Jersey. I am not. I am in Virginia. Would that be two states in between us? Something like that? I don't know. Something like that. However, for a few different reasons, I felt like this was something that was very, very important to, A, get to the public and you know spread the word as much as we can, and B, publicly, I wanted to congratulate you. You've done writing and written for a while, and you've always talked about writing a book, which we'll get into, and you finally made it happen and published it. So first, congratulations on that. 
Thanks. I really appreciate that, Doc. Yeah. And so getting that out into the public, it is on Amazon. Give us the name of the book. Yeah, it's called Let the First Rep Suck, The Art of Unconditionally Positive Fitness Coaching. So there's two things here that we're going to go into. Number one, we're going to go into the book that we just talked about. And number two, we're going to go into what the proceeds of the book will be benefiting uh, in you know this month. And, and what is that? Uh, yeah, so I, I have a, a client that's pretty special to me. He's a 16-year-old kid named Ryan. And he has uh, a condition called NBIA. MPAN. MPAN is the specific um, variation of the disease that he has. Uh, MBIA stands for neurodegeneration with brain iron accumulation. Um, and quite honestly, it's a pretty nasty disease. It's kind of like a set of diseases. Um, and slowly, uh, essentially what will happen slowly, it will cripple him. Um, it will start to cause psychiatric problems. So he'll start to suffer depression, mood swings, different mood disorder stuff. Um, he'll have a cognitive decline. Um, he'll lose his ability to walk. Uh, he'll lose his ability to breathe and talk, and then it, it'll take his life. Um, there's, it's so rare that uh, I, I don't honestly, off the top of my head, I don't know the percentage of, of people in the world that have it, but it is minuscule. There's like a ridiculously low number of cases per year. And because of that, uh, there's not a lot of funding for it. There's none. There's no, it's not like, you know, a, a variation of cancer where, you know, people throw a bunch of money at it because there's quite a few people that have it. Um, there's no money. And so over the past, well, I don't know, about a year, going on a year, um, his mother, uh, Tuba, who is like one of the toughest little ladies you'll ever meet, is, we were at this, uh, you ever been to Nando's, like the, the Peruvian chicken place? No, I don't think they have that up there. I bet they do. They're pretty good. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so like they do a fundraiser there and they have like a raffle. And like the, the place that they do it at, the, that particular restaurant, their, uh, their general manager or something is ridiculously generous. And they, they give a high percentage of the sales each night to them as the fundraiser. And like she is just like everybody that comes in, she's like, lets them know what's going on. Like here's how you can buy a raffle ticket. She doesn't let anybody sneak by. So she's been pretty tenacious about it. But so she started the th this, this fundraiser with Children's National Hospital in, in Washington, D.C. And through that, um, we're raising the money to be able to start the research. And um, we're about halfway to the goal that, need, that we need to get where they can start uh, some of the research, but we're halfway to, to what we need to be able to get it all done. But there's just there's no, there's no government funding. There's nothing. We, we have to do it all on our own. So that's, uh, that's kind of the case. And so tying the two together, you published the book. And I then, did. Uh, the proceeds of the book will, be, will go to funding, correct? All of it. Yeah. So uh, all of for the month of February. And I mean, quite honestly, it's like I, I said February because people need deadlines to act. If it was just out there forever, you know, people wouldn't, wouldn't get into action. So yeah, but all the money will go to, um, the Children's National Hospital Cure and Pan um, donation campaign. And, and the cool thing about it is like none of the money, have, what a better way to say it is all of the money goes to the research. So it's not dispersed to administration or anything else like or cover any other costs. All of the money goes straight to the research. Cool. So I want to get back in specifically with, you know, what you're doing with Ryan. Um, again, just to educate the public on, you know, your impact on him uh, professionally. And sure. then personally, but before that, what I want to start with 
is I want to start with the book. So I, you and I have known each other for a while. I think one of the things we bond on is, you know, we're in, we're both in the, I call it healthcare, men, healthcare, medicine, strength training. We're in that world. We both live in that world. However, both of us came to that with a background in psychology. And so right. both of us have a keen interest, interest in human development, psychology, motivation, in fact, you and I were speaking before we got on. I spent today at my old high school, at my alma mater, speaking nine times in a row to classes about mindset and motivation and self-development and emotional intelligence and all of those different things. So we, you and I spend a lot of time thinking about that. And the book that you wrote, and I haven't read it yet, which is why this I think this will be very good for me and it'll be great for our audience. You know, your profession right now is still, I think, new. You know, mm -hmm. being a trainer, being a fitness coach is still kind of a newer thing to make a profession out of. It used to just be the guy that would go and kind of train the lady one or two hours a week and be done with it, sets and reps. But as I see it, it's evolving into something that's becoming a career. And with mm -hmm. that, you're getting people like you who I think are very, very, very smart now taking the stuff that they understand and know and applying it to coaching. And so... Talk to me about the book. Talk to me about, you know, it's not just about programming sets and reps, bench press and bicep curls, which again, most people out there think that trainers just kind of, you know, oh, I'm going to do a set of bench and maybe they'll yell at me a little bit and, and tell me to eat broccoli and, and chicken. Sure. But what is it? What's the book about? Why'd you write it? And, and tell me what's inside. Yeah, I think at the base level, I mean, it's about, it's about the human element of coaching. I think that's probably the easiest way to say it. Um, and, and really, I, I wrote it to help trainers understand because I think it's something that um, is becoming popular in our field now. Like a, a lot of trainers want to understand that and they realize that um, it's crazy because it's just like it's sometimes it, 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 it's so difficult for people to just be a human being. And that's really it is. And they, they let all of these convoluted thoughts get in the way of like, what they're supposed to do as a coach, like what questions they should ask, what are all these other things, blah, blah, blah. And they let all of this stuff that doesn't need to get into the way, get into the way. Um, so I wrote it to give people simple solutions to that, like um, creating an environment that, that clients want to be in, um, being able to connect with them, learning how to interview, how to ask questions, and really just, um, you know, to take it back to the title, just let the first rep suck. And, and what that essentially means is, is like, that's, that's what, you know, it's, unconditionally positive is and um because people need to feel the safety that they can fail um to be able to express themselves fully and go after a goal and everything like that because a lot of times you know for the gym like it's different for folks like you and i like we grew up we grew up athletes we like to work out it's something we enjoy doing and a lot of the folks that come to personal trainers um the gym is a scary place so we need to create a certain level of psychological safety for people to challenge themselves in a way that they can do something productive with their time and, and realize that they can go do something great there. And then um, one of the terms I use is, is bravery can be extrapolated. So like people learn to face that like existential threat in the gym and they grow through it and then they go on and take it on in different places in their lives. So basically it's, it's presenting that like, how, how do we get to that F philosophically, psychologically, here's the groundwork. And then taking that at, towards the back half of the book, I put it into, like, what are the practical, practical things that you can do to implement these things? 
and whether you're just whether you're a a commercial gym trainer, whether you own your own gym, whatever it is, how do you take all of these things that we talked about um, and directly put them into action? So the, you know, it's not like the first half of the book is just like a bunch of um, foo foo. It's 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 really laying the groundwork, and there's actionable stuff to take out of it. But then the back half is more practical, and it's like I really think the big thing is is understanding that it's about being a human and it's about being um, creating a, a, an environment that, that people feel safe in. Cause it's like, you know, I, I heard uh, obviously, you know, we all know that, that Kobe Bryant just died not long ago. And I watched, um, I don't know who was interviewing him. And uh, he was talking about like when he was in middle school, he had this summer where like he literally didn't score a point like all summer, like Kobe Bryant didn't score a point in his summer league basketball. And he got to the end of the, to the end of the summer and he was just distraught and started bawling and he was crying. His dad came up, put his arm around him. He goes, Kobe, whether you score zero points or you score 60, I'm going to love you just the same. And that gave him like, he had a safety net. He knew that he was safe and that he could go out and just play now. And, uh, obviously that had a pretty incredible trajectory for him. And, and, and on a different scale and a different level, that's the same thing that we have to do for the people that come to us and trust us with their, their fitness and, and their, their physical and, and in some levels, their emotional and mental growth is like, that's what we have to create for people so they can go and face the big scary dragon of the gym. You and I were both at um, one of our mutual friends, Vince Gabriel, at his seminar with Kathy Balsamo, who will be um, will release her episode on our podcast soon. And you know, to what you're talking about of the fears that some people have when they go to the gym, that you and I, um, or people that are in the fitness industry, you know, don't really think about. You know, here's a lady who she tells such a great story about how the first day she went to Vince's gym, she sat in the parking lot and took a Xanax because she was so nervous about what was going to happen when she walked in there. Yeah. And so I think um, people that, you know, are, are in the position of maybe being a trainer or working as a coach that most of the time they've had success in the gym or they've been an athlete or um, it's a comfortable place for them. And they don't realize that a lot of the people coming in are not like that. And potentially what I always think about is how many people don't come in because they feel that way. Exactly. And never see because of it or don't stick with it or let other things get in the way because they're scared or they're nervous or they're afraid of what could happen. It's easy. I mean, that's the thing is like, it's easy, you know, to see that now looking back at like, I mean, I've been doing this since I was 20 years old. I'll be 34 in, in a couple of months. So I'm coming up on like 14 years of, of, of being in this industry. And, you know, you can start to see the telltale signs of like, man, it's just fear and they don't know how to, what to do with that yet. You know, especially if we have a, somebody come in for a consultation and they start objecting on this and that and this and that. And like they start, they, they have excuses and, and they don't want to come in. It's like the person's afraid and they don't really know how to approach it. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the unfortunate thing for, for a trainer in this situation is like if someone's scared and they're not ready, like you can continue to make them comfortable and do the best that you can to do with that. But it, at some point, if they're just not ready and willing, you can't help them. You can't help somebody that doesn't want help. Um, so that can get frustrating. But I think it's like we have to try to mitigate all the factors that, play into that as much as possible and that's that is the goal you know the goal is for us to put people in position that they can introduce them introduce themselves to the future version of themselves that they'd like to be that's that's what we do that's our job 
we have quite a few, you know, fitness people, fitness professionals that do listen to our podcast. And so talk to me about the second half of this book. Tell me a few of the practical applications of it. So some people could get an idea of, of the things you speak about. Yeah. I mean, so we talk about our goal setting system, um, how we set people up from day one to like be able to start taking a vague goal, give it shape, act on it and actually see it reflected in their, in, in their program and, and involve them in the process. Cause I think a lot of folks, they, they aren't sure what to do to meet a client's needs, to understand how to help them. And it really comes down. It's like, like I said, we get let a lot of convoluted stuff get in the way. And really it comes down to asking and involving people in the process. And like, how do you do that? Um, I talk about stuff about actually teaching people to exercise. Like what are the different types of cues? Like how do you use them? When is it appropriate? How do you make these decisions? Um, and how do you think through that for yourself so that, you know, you have a toolbox because I think, I think a lot of people get hung up on the fact of whether or not they're going to be wrong when they make a decision. And, you know, I teach a lot of workshops all over the country. And, and one of the things I always try to, to, to reiterate is that, good coach it's not that good coaches don't make mistakes they just know what to do when they make a mistake and they have a big toolbox and it's really about that it's about building the 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 practical application toolbox that we have um and we talk about how to manage the different environments that um that a fitness coach might be in whether that's running a a one-on-one session and how to set that up to be the best environment that you possibly can um semi-private which we call small group personal training for the reason that um, you know, to the person off the, on the street, like semi-private doesn't mean anything. That's industry jargon. So we call it small group personal training because it's like, you know, you'll be with a group of people, but there's a level of individualization for you. Um, and then a group environment. And how do you manage all these environments to the best of your ability? Um, and just wrap that up into the package of, of what the philosophy brings from the first half of the book. Um, as you're talking through coaching and giving cues and and, and things like that, you know, that's, I find that part to be so fascinating. As you know, like I've been trying to really get into the golf, you know, my golf myself, and I spend time with my golf instructor, sometimes just watching him coach others. And the way he describes it is similar to what you do and what I do. It's like, he sees something, he picks an intervention and then he sees what the result is. And sometimes it is a mistake quote, air quotes, it doesn't work. And then he's got to find another way to explain it or a different intervention, or a different way to go about doing it. Just like I might with a patient, I'm trying to get a result and I don't do it one way, but I have a second way, I have a third, I have a way I need to show it to them a little better to teach them. Just like for you, um, cueing someone on, a, on something like a hip hinge or a deadlift, and there might be three, four, five different ways to go about doing it. And, and I, think, I think what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, at the level that, you know, you're playing at in your career, it's how much detail, how much thought, um, it isn't just about the sets and reps anymore. It is about trying to figure out how to motivate people. It's figuring out how to coach people, how to get people to do literally and figuratively move in the direction that you want them to. Yeah. And and I think that for you and I, being that we've both been in this industry now for longer than a decade, we forget uh, how much actually of skill and how much dedication and how much learning has gone into and still will go into being able to do this with people. You know, yeah, I mean – it, it isn't. And I, and I think the thing is, is it takes for, for trainers to understand. It's like, Hey, listen, you got to be okay with making mistakes. You got to let it be. You got to go try and just pay attention and, and, and make a better mistake the next time or, or don't make a mistake the next time. It's like, you're, you just have to keep, you have to let yourself try. Uh, but I think the one thing that, that really starts to, to, that mitigates a lot of it 
and really helps us like, you know, from the onset to, to give someone a cue or to put someone in a position that's going to work for them is trying to understand the person as much as possible before you get into that situation. And, you know, that's one of the philosophies that I, I try to express in the book is, as clearly as I can is that the person becomes, it, the person comes before the client. So like before we think about, oh, here is this, uh, I'll just say being because that's the best word that came to my head right now. Here is this being with this set of goals and these things that we have to move to. And like seeing that abstractly, I think a lot of times coaches get caught up on that first rather than seeing like, here's Mary Johnson mother of three, stressed out about this, used to feel this way, wants to feel this way again, has these fears, is in love with these things, enjoys this. And, and when you can get to that first, early on, and I think people gather that because, you know, we have a lot of buzzwords like community and authenticity and stuff like that. But really, being good at, at getting to know someone and just being a human being helps with your coaching because then you can make the connections between who this person is and how they're going to learn and what they might connect with when you try to teach them an exercise. So it's like, it's not like these things are separate. It's like we have to have human connection and a community and we have to have these other things over here where we teach people exercise. It, it's, it's all important and it all connects. You can't delineate them really. And, and I think that that's the point. One of our core values at Strive to Move is people first, patient second. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So understanding someone as a person um, and then secondary to that, there are, there are patients that we're caring for, but the person will give you their motivations and, you know, their past experiences and how to interact with them and all those type of things first. And then we can figure out what the diagnosis is and the exercise prescription and how to do the soft tissue work or whatever. But that's always secondary to the person. Well, and, and here's the thing. And, and I think it comes to with, with anyone that has to do a job like ours, whether you're a clinician like you or, um, a coach like me, um, you got to get yourself out of the way. And, and I think that comes, and it's like, you, it's, it sounds like this might be a little new agey or whatever, but like it comes to like the realization that you have to realize that you're not the most important person in this situation. Um, the, also, the other thing that you have to have is a pretty, you have to let go of your insecurities and you have to have a certain level of self-acceptance so you can be like, Oh, I can see this person as a person because I can see myself as a person. And when you can do those things, um, you know, that's, that's the, that is really what sets everybody else up for success. So it's like, you gotta be able to, um, put yourself aside and accept yourself at the same time. But I think the, the, the acceptance is what allows you to put yourself aside a little bit because you don't feel like you need to push yourself out so much into the world. So let's transition a little bit more into Ryan and, and where I'm going with this is, you know, one of the things I kind of would argue with you a little bit, you would always say a couple of years ago, joking around, you know, we just kind of teach gym, you know, what we do isn't that serious. And, and I, and I understand where you're coming from with that, but as I've also seen and been around and experienced really what people like you can do, especially people like you and Chris and, and people that I'm surrounded with that are, you know, so, so smart and have such an impact on people significantly beyond just helping them lose 10 pounds or, you know, helping them, um, you know, lose shred for the wedding or some crazy like that. Um, you're able, and that's what I want to go into detail right now is bring awareness around what's what somebody like you, who is a coach or a trainer, what, he or she could do with somebody like Ryan and because I think there are people out there 
I either have friends, family, or themselves that are dealing with life altering things. And the only thing that they think to do is to go to the medical doctor or go to the surgeon or go somewhere else. Um, and there's other interventions out there that I don't think people even think about that they could utilize. So talk to me about Ryan and, and talk to me about, you know, what, what are the things that you have done with him? And, you know, and again, we can even go back to, I remember Chris had a client years ago, either CP or something Melanie. along those lines. Yep. So let's talk about that because if nothing else, I want people to realize that there's other things out there that they may not even have explored. Well, I mean, I think as far as an intervention standpoint, I mean, I could talk about all kinds of technical stuff and, 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 and how it affects someone's, you know, being able to train affects their nervous system, which makes them more robust and they're able to handle stressors and, and all those things better. But I like, honestly, and, and I don't mean to sound too far out with this, but I think it affects their soul. Like I think Ryan coming in every day and being able to see a person that he looks up to, he, when he found out, man, when he found out that I played football and that I played in college. And when he found out I was a quarterback, like he, 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 he's always wanted to play football and he's never going to be able to play football. So to have somebody that he had like an aspirational identity to be able to connect with a person like that is really meaningful to him. And then to come in and do something that he gets to at least try to test his abilities. Cause there's not a lot of environments where people are going to let him try and test and see what he can do. And, and we'll push it to the limits to see what he can do. And, and I'll do that within, within the realm of keeping him safe. But, you know, and I think being able to be able to connect to other people like that in an environment where everybody's not treating you like you're sick or like there's something wrong. It's like, hey, you know, you're not moving the best and there might be some things going on. But like we're going to come in here and find out what you are capable of, what you can do. And we're going to try to try to do more of that, you know, to make him physically stronger. Like there's 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 <laughs> there's no uh, instance in which being strong is a hindrance, you know, at least to a certain level. And so I think it's like we've made a system a little bit more robust in the face of like some pretty harrowing, harrowing uh, neurological deficits. But at the same rate, like when you give somebody the ability to explore their movement and do some things that in, in other environments that they just wouldn't be able to do, it affects them. Like you said, you talked to a bunch of kids today, it affects their mindset. You know, I, I don't have to do a lot of that for Ryan because Ryan's just that kid that like his mom will be coming in and they'll get some kind of news that's not necessarily the best and uh, she'll be kind of busted up about it and he'll be like, mom, everything's fine. It's not emotional. I'll be all right. You know, he's just that kind of kid. So, um, but I think that that's, I think a lot of it's just, I think the biggest thing that it does is like it takes a person that would typically is just shown what they can't do all the time or like made to feel like they should be in an infirmary or, you know, just like everybody's trying to put in a bubble and it's like, Hey, well, let's see what you can do. And, you know, I think everybody needs that to a certain extent, but especially people that are always talked to about their limits and put inside a bubble. And I think that that's a really, really important thing. What just give me a, a basic sample, a couple of, I mean, cause again, people have no clue what that kind of exercises do you actually do? What I mean, do we do variations of the stuff that everybody else does. I mean, Ryan does push ups. Uh, Ryan pushes the sled. Ryan deadlifts a kettlebell. Uh, Ryan does assisted squats with uh, like a suspension trainer. Uh, we work on pull-up ISOs um, and we do a bunch of like, you know, um, what people would call rehabby type stuff or, or basic movement type stuff like rolling and crawling and 
dead bugs for core and, and things like that. I mean, so it's just like we played around for a while and, and found some stuff that would be good for him. I mean, we, we spend a lot more time on the ground than, mm-hmm. than most people would, but you know, quite honestly, because I, he can handle a higher volume of work there because being on his feet, he's unsteady and getting up and down off his feet takes a lot of energy for him. So we can do a lot on the ground. So we stay there for a while because I can, I can actually train him there pretty well. And then we get up, you know, he's like any other, he's like any other 16 year old kid. He wants his arms to look good. He wants his chest to look good and everything like that. So it's like, Hey man, let's, let's do some push ups and some rows and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, yeah. now if I could get him to eat breakfast, we'd be even better shape, but <laughs> it's just tough to do. So. No. And I think, you know, what you were just talking about is really important because again, I, I just feel like there's so many people out there that they just kind of feel stuck and they, they don't realize that someone like Ryan with this, with his horrible disease that he can go in the gym and get after it. You know, as long as you're with somebody that's a trainer that, you know, has the knowledge base that, you know, someone like you has or, or has some sort of training that it doesn't just have to be like sit on the couch and like stop, nah, man. you know, you can get after it. Right. And and to your point of like, as long as we're not going to be reckless or dangerous, like there's no downside of getting someone strong. And I, I think that, again, you know, I think a lot of people would be surprised. You and I are because, you know, we live in this world. But I think a lot of people listening would be surprised to think that someone with a disease like that would be able to get into a traditional gym and do all the things that you just said. And, and you know, I, I really believe that there's a lot of people that would have much better outcomes that have some neurodegenerative, some, some other type of, of horrible diseases and illnesses if people like you were, you know, more prevalent in, in around here and they were more common and not to say that physical therapy or chiropractors or doctors are bad. I just feel like there's a, I'm hoping that 15, 20 years, it's just more, much more normal for people to just like they would go to PT for their hip or just like they would go to a chiropractor for their back that they would go and, and, and work with someone like you or in a gym like yours when they are dealing with some crap, because it might be the best decision that they ever made. Well, I'm, I think the thing is, is I, I think it will change. I, I have, I have hope for that. Um, but I think the thing is, is, is people need to realize that their bodies are far more resilient than they're often told. I think a lot of people are felt made to feel like they're broken. And quite honestly, and I, I, I say this with the best of intentions that I think a lot of medical doctors or even, you know, a lot of chiros and a lot of PTs make people feel like they're broken and you're not. Like your body, I mean, has adapted over millions of years to be to where it is now. And it's handled a lot worse things than twisting your knee, stepping off of a curb. So it's like, there's always something that you can do. And especially for folks that like, seem like there might not be anything that they can do or they're wheelchair bound or something, man, there's always something you can do. There's always something that you can do. And, and, and that's, and it's the best thing for folks like that to reiterate, to show them they are capable of something like, man. Ryan and I, like he got, he got to be an honorary member of the football team this year at his high school and they took him out for a coin toss and and all this kind of stuff. And it was really cool. They did a lot of good stuff for him. He got to wear a Jersey and this whole time leading up to it. Like we took the past, the last 10 minutes of, of, of our, our workout every day. And, um, I ran pass routes for him and I let him throw me the ball. He was like, Hey man, let's, I bet bet you didn't catch them. I caught every one of them, baby. I was, 
but that's that's it man like he'd like yeah i'm gonna show you what you're capable of we're gonna we're gonna do the things that we can do rather than sit here and think about all the damn things that everybody's telling you that you can't do and that just that's no way to let somebody live you know so 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 you've got the book and the book proceeds will be going to the fund for the research for name the disease again, because again, most people haven't heard of it. Sure. It's called neurodegeneration with brain iron accumulation, NBIA. Um, the specific type that Ryan has is MPAN. Um, and I'd love to tell you exactly what that stands for, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I know it's, it's a, it's a variation. I think it's, it's one of the common variations of it, but it's, it happens to be quite nasty. It's one of the only ones that has like, a severe cognitive decline and a severe emotional decline because of the way that it attacks the brain. So, you know, if, if we don't figure out something for Ryan, um, he'll end up having mood disorders. He'll have some impulsivity. He'll have depression. Um, it'll get nasty. And it sucks because, um, he's such like a, a, like a jovial kid. Like he's just such a even keel, calm, great to be around kid. And then I'm not saying that, that, to that to be uh dismissive of anybody that has any kind of um mental or emotional disorders but it's like this it'll just be a stark change for him and for his family because it'll be completely outside the realm of expectations so it's um it's gonna be tough um and, and the thing is it's like we need we need to make things happen because um we need to get as far into the research as as fast as we can because you know they just started some of the preliminary research um, that they have to do on they have to do on mice, so they um, infect them with the disease, so they can start to study it. And we need to get through those trials as as quickly as possible, so they can start to study um, humans. And Ryan, being the brave kid that he is, volunteered himself, so he'll be the one that they study. Um, so we need to get through that because, from what I understand, unless we do um, relatively quickly, they're they won't be able to study him for another like five or six years. So we need to get it done. The last thing I want to talk about is, you know, whether it's in medicine or in your situation, talk to me about some, you know, the, your personally, how it's affected you, you know, the positives and the negatives about, you know, I'm sure there's been some times that are really hard, but also some great lessons you've learned from being around a guy like Brian every day. Oh man. I mean, the most, obvious one is that i just you got nothing to feel sorry for yourself for man like it's just he shows up every day he wants me to push him harder than i push him um but i think that's the biggest thing it's like man uh, it always bugs me when people are like oh you know there's always somebody that has it worse off than you and i'm like what a what a thing to say like i hate say i hate that kind of but like seeing somebody that does face a lot more adversity than you do on a daily level, just being like, man, like, um, just being so tough. And it's like, you just, you know, you have nothing to feel sorry for. And it's like, you know, life is life and it's, a, it's all kind of a beautiful thing. And, and to have somebody that, that, that faces it the way that he does is, is really refreshing and it's great to spend time with them. Um, you know, and just like seeing quite honestly, the, the love his family has for him and and how much how much they support him and and go out of the way to make things better for him and how it's pulled all of them closer together which is really you know 
it's unfortunate that that this has happened, but it's a beautiful thing to see it happen the way that they have responded and just seeing the community of people from the people at our gym to the people in their religious community to the people just around Loudoun County, Virginia that have, that have just come together to try to do something for this kid. Um, it's been, it's been just a really beautiful thing to watch. Uh, and just to have the opportunity, honestly, to just, you know, um, to do something good. There's a, there's a quote, one of my favorite books is East of Eden by, uh, by, um, John Steinbeck. And, and one of the quotes, you know, the dad in the book says to his son, I'm going to butcher this because I can't remember it totally off the top of my head is that, you know, um, being a person is more than, uh, you ever being a, being a person comes with responsibility. It's more than just taking up the space where the air would be. And I just, I'm grateful that they've given me the opportunity to do something kind of purposeful with, you know, with my time. So, and especially from using this book to do something bigger than just, uh, just sell books, you know? So, so folks out there, the book is called let the first rep suck the art of unconditionally positive fitness coaching by Todd Bumgarner and all of the proceeds go to our friend Ryan who has a neuro neurodegenerative disease. So we can start getting the research and hopefully figure out how to solve this bad boy. So Todd, I really, really appreciate you coming on. I think I'm, I'm so happy that you published the book first and, and even better that it's, you know, all the proceeds are going to go to an amazing cause. So I thank you for being on and guys, if you got there, go ahead and purchase the book, purchase for your friends and family. Let's, let's get this thing going. Thanks Todd. Thanks Justin. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the stay healthy, New Jersey podcast brought to you by strive to move. If your pain or injury is preventing you from living the healthy and active lifestyle you love and deserve and want to get back to doing what you love pain-free, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the best next steps to help resolve it. Find our ebooks online at strivetomove.com slash our services. There you'll find an ebook for topics on such things as back pain, knee pain, sports injuries, and CrossFit injuries. These eBooks will provide you with free expert advice, tips, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit strivetomove.com slash our services to download your eBook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no obligation phone consults with a doctor on staff to New Jersey residents. Just call us at 908-547-0729 or visit us at strivetomove.com and click the Talk to the Doctor First button on the homepage to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy New Jersey podcast.